Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What? Hello. I'm your host, Tom Kearns, and I just wanted to explain what this is. So this is an extract from the most recent bonus episode that just went up onto the show's Patreon. I wanted to share it with you to give you a sense of the kind of stuff that I'm putting up there to help you make an informed decision about whether or not you want to support it. You can get access to this and all other bonus episodes for $3 a month. My plan is to upload these every Wednesday on the Wednesdays between main series episodes. So there should be quite a few of them before too long. Quote, And Christ gave us the gift that now there is no need for any man that he seek hell, but he is immediately led to eternal rest after he forsakes this deathly life if he now here in this world will perform truth and right in his life. End quote. In the closing statement of Vercelli I, the homilist alludes both to soteriology, the beliefs concerning the workings of salvation, and the need for soteriology to inspire good works. These relate back to the emphasis on penitential religious practices found in most Old English religious literature, but here they are contextualised as responses to the saving gift of grace. If, as Vercelli I suggests, authors justified religious practices with reference to soteriological beliefs, then understanding these beliefs is essential to understanding the place of the church in the lives of the faithful. The soteriological beliefs espoused in the Blickling and Vercelli books mostly sit comfortably alongside those of other Anglo-Saxon writers like Alfrich and Wolfstan. There are some differences of emphasis, but these are more practical than theological. The chief way that soteriology affected the lives of the faithful was through the two main soteriological sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. How these sacraments were understood to affect their recipients is once again in line with the views of other writers. However, while they share common beliefs about what these sacraments did, the views of late 10th century authors on how they worked vary notably. Once again, however, these differences are not due to differences in theology, but rather due to the sources used. All late 10th century English authors espoused common soteriological beliefs, and in their essence, these remained the most common views throughout the Middle Ages. The terminology and outline of soteriology in Anglo-Saxon England was Augustinian. The authors accept the primacy of grace, original sin, and the ransom theory of atonement. Early medieval English theologians also accepted the modifications made to Augustinianism at the Council of Orange, circa 529. That council disavowed the views of Augustine on double predestination, the belief that God predestines some to salvation and others to damnation, and it affirmed instead the need for free will to cooperate with grace through works. The 9th century saw certain Frankish theologians like Gottschalk of Orbay, died 867, challenge the Augustinian synthesis by returning to the works of Augustine 
which not only revived the question of double predestination, but also, following the pioneering allegorical interpretation of the Mass composed by Amalarius of Metz, allowed these writers to use Augustine's theory of sacramental signs to question established understandings of the Eucharist. In England, only Alfrich shows any awareness of these Frankish controversies, and his use of them seems not to have led to any major shift in Anglo-Saxon theology. Wolfstan echoed the conservative semi-Augustinianism of Blickling and Vercelli, and through composite homilies, this semi-Augustinian theology continued to be preached from English pulpits well into the 12th century. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.